everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Authors on a Podcast Talking Books. I'm your host, David Walters. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with fantasy author Peter McLean. Peter was born near London in 1972, the son of a bank manager and an English teacher. He went to school in the shadow of Norwich Cathedral, where he spent most of his time making up stories. He has since grown up just a bit, if not a lot, and spent 25 years working in corporate IT. He is married to his wife, Diane, and still is making up stories. He is the author of the War for the Rose Throne series, beginning with Priest of Bones and followed up by Priest of Lies, uh, currently working on book three. He also wrote the urban fantasy trilogy, The Burn Man, which was released in 2016 through 2017 by Angry Robot. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Peter McLean. Good afternoon, David. Thank you for having me on the show. Hey, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I know it's uh, afternoon there and bright and early morning here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say bright. It's uh, it's pretty dreary outside. So, <laughs> so, uh, so what you been up to today since uh, since you've already had most of the day to, to be up and about? Yeah, um, I've just finished reading a proof today, which I've been asked to do a cover blurb for, for uh, a company I can't mention at the moment, and I can't say any more about it than that, unfortunately, because <laughs> the book doesn't officially exist yet, and I'm under NDA, but it was extremely good, so I've had a good day so far. Fantastic. Yeah, I've started seeing your name uh, pop up a good bit since uh, you know, Priest of Lies and Priest of Bones came out, um, especially you know, for blurbs and so forth. I, f- I feel like you and Nicholas Eames are competing for, for the most blurbs on book covers. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny you say that. So... Um, Gareth Hanrahan, who wrote The Gutter Prayer, has the sequel has just come out, which is called The Shadow Saint. Uh-huh. Now, I live in the UK, and Nick Ames lives in North America and Canada. And my blurb is on the cover of the US edition, and Nick's blurb is on the cover of the UK edition. <laughs> Neither of us can figure out how that happened. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Nick, Nick's a great guy. I, I met him once in London when he was over for Comic-Con. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, I'm actually going to have him on, I believe, in May um, to, to talk a little bit about, you know, what we're expecting to be book three, hopefully at the end of this year, the beginning of next year, um, you know, his uh, his Kings of the Wild and uh, and, and Bloody Rose. But, yeah, yeah, I actually just got a uh, – I got a finished copy of The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood, and just so happened his, his name's on the front of that one too. So I'm just like, man <laughs> – I think you guys are going to start keeping a tally with one another. Oh, definitely. We'll make it competitive somehow, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, so, so kind of first off, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, growing up, kind of what, uh, you know, schooling, so forth like that. Any hobbies you had outside of school? Yeah, so, so I was born near London, but we moved up to, to Norwich when I was five years old in 1976. So Norwich, for people who don't know, is on the – southeast of the uk it's about two hours from london near the coast so I've, I've pretty much grown up here um i went to school in norwich as you say um next to the norman cathedral absolutely surrounded by history which is wonderful and now uh, we've got a splendid norman castle in the center of norwich city all that kind of good stuff so i was kind of grown up around that sort of thing um school was school it wasn't really my favorite <laughs> thing but you know is what it is. Um, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons at school, as, as a lot of us fantasy nerd types probably did. Um, I used to paint the little, they were called Citadel, Citadel figures in those days, which are what turned into uh, the Games Workshop hobby line. So that's been going longer than a lot of people think it has. And um, yeah, I've been writing off and on bits and bobs since I was in high school, I think. 
always been something I've done for fun, as far back as I can remember. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, about working in corporate IT. I had an IT job for about a year. Granted, it wasn't corporate. It was literally just uh, working for for some small businesses around uh, around Birmingham, where I'm from. But uh, did you did you work in like in like systems engineering, or were you uh, did you have to like go out and about and install systems or? Oh, I've, I've done all sorts of things. So I started out working on a help desk, as a lot of people do. Yep. Uh, became a Unix systems administrator. Did that for a long time. Then became a firewall administrator, come network security manager. Then I managed um, the entire hardware division for a UK insurance company. Uh, went to work at EDS, which got taken over by Hewlett Packard. I was at HP for 10 years. Um, that was when I signed the contracts for Priest of Bones, so I'd, I'd really had enough of it by then. <laughs> so I left, I took an 18-month sabbatical to write the first two books, and I now work back for a British insurance company doing IT supplier management, okay. which is more on the more on the contract side than the technical sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, it's indoor work with no heavy lifting, I think, is probably <laughs> the best you can say about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice. It's a good. It's a good job. You know, it's 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 the day job, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know. Um, as I was actually like a uh, a dispatcher, so basically, I would get all the phone calls, write up the tickets, send it to the you know tier two, tier three. If I couldn't do you know some more like a like a troubleshoot help desk type job, but man, it it burns out quick because I mean you get somewhere to the same calls on a daily basis, and you're like, eventually, you guys just have to figure this out, like. Restart your computer, see if it works. If it doesn't, call us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, I, I used to be an account manager at HP, so I was looking doing the client-facing relationship oh, okay. management stuff, and you know, which is great. I'm, I'm very much a people person. I enjoyed that sort of thing, but it meant you got dragged into every time there was a major incident or escalated crisis situation. And I used to get phoned at three, four a.m. to be on conference calls with an angry client before dawn and you just think you know you can kind of have enough of it quite quick to be honest. Really yeah can. exactly you, you kind of get tired of being on call yeah definitely <laughs> i gotcha so uh so you so you obviously you said you uh you kind of work a, a, a full-time job on top of writing um so so tell me so who got you i guess influenced you into writing or did, did you just decide from a young age you were reading books and you're like i want to try my hand at this or was there like one or two authors that were like, I want to I want to be like them and start writing books? Yeah, it was a bit of both. I mean, it was something I just started doing. I mean, like, like I suppose most people, we had the occasional creative writing assignment in English back in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I always did well at that. And I enjoyed doing it. So I started writing bits and pieces for my own entertainment. But I used to read a lot of horror. But this was back in the 80s. And I think I'd read everything Stephen King had written up to that point. And, you know, his his main characters are nearly always writers. <laughs> so, you know, apart from the whole being eaten by rabid dogs thing, this looks like a great way to live. <laughs> <laughs> kind of put the idea in my head, but, I mean, I, I didn't publish my first book till I was 42, I think. So it, it very much went on hold while I was building a career. I got married quite young and had all the family things going on. So it wasn't something I really found time to until I was, yeah, in my late 30s, pushing 40, I think. Yeah, I started doing it properly. I got you. Yeah, and I, I know uh, you know you see it a lot on, on social media where people are trying to publish as early as possible in their life. But you see all these authors that like you know, kind of like you were saying, their first book isn't published till 
you know, later on in life, especially like, you know, after kids and, uh, you know, after you've been in a career for X amount of years and so forth. And there's really never a, it's too late to publish kind of time. Oh, absolutely not. No, I, I read something, I think it must've been on Twitter or something along those lines, not that long ago. And there was some gentleman who just published his first book at the age of 92. So you know, there, there is no too late. Absolutely not. You know, you just, you just kind of hope that, you know, you don't, <laughs> that's not like the, the, the best book of that year and everybody's going to be clamoring for more. And you're like, I don't know if I have another one. I'm going to make it that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to, uh, to Keelan Patrick Burke a couple of days ago and um, we were talking a little bit about George R. R. Martin, just because, you know, everybody's clamoring for the next wins, you know, next book wins of winter. And he's been writing it for forever. And everybody, I keep seeing on social media, everybody's like, man, he's going to be dead before the next book comes out. And I'm just like, you know, guys, he's still got a few years left in the I tank. Know, I, I think that's really harsh. I mean, he's only 72 or something. I mean, you're the poor man of Charles. <laughs> you know, I think people just sort of go to like, as soon as you see gray hair, you're like, oh, well, that's it. That's the, they're, they're done with. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of get it after we sadly lost Robert Jordan before the series was finished, but you know, that, that was one, one author. It doesn't mean we're all going to drop dead over the next couple of years. Exactly. And you know, well, and I he, hope not anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and Jordan had quite a few books from the series before Sanderson took it over. So, and it fell into pretty good hands. So I don't, I don't think we, we really lost too much of a beat, you know, granted we just lost a great author, but. Yeah. Um, so tell me, so where do you typically find yourself writing? Do you, do you write a lot at home? Do you, I was asking Caleb Badger-Burke and he kind of scoffed at this when I asked if he wrote in a coffee shop, but I guess that doesn't really happen with, you know, uh, with many authors nowadays, you, you kind of see, you know, sitting up in Starbucks with a laptop, but I guess that's more for the millennial crowd. I, I think it must be, I can't think of anything worse than trying to write surrounded by people and noise and whatever. Right. No, I have a, a home office, so I, I do all my writing at home. Okay. Usually in the evenings and weekends. I gotcha. Um, in case my boss, in case my boss is li listening, of course I never write at work during the day because that would be wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's okay if you jot a few notes here and there, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was talking to I was talking to Mike Chen uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that he writes a lot on his phone. Like he uses, uh, I guess, Google Docs, and so he can mm -hmm. write pretty much anywhere he's at. And I, I can't imagine having a screen that small and trying to write a book on it, but he somehow does yeah. it and it works for him. But he's, you know, he's like, when I get home, it's pretty much my wife and my daughter time. And then as soon as my daughter goes to sleep, I maybe can write for an hour or two before I'm up the next day. I yeah. Just, I, I think I get that. If you've got young kids, I mean, I'm, our kids are grown and gone. So it's just me and my wife at home. Yeah. But honestly, I struggle to write a text on my phone. I've big, <laughs> big fingers and a tiny, on-screen keyboard no, exactly, exactly i mean you know that's the same with me I'll, I'll sit there and have to uh you know send a, send a revision text because something didn't go over right or autocorrect or something it's just i can't imagine writing out more than a paragraph at a time no. so well, it wouldn't be for me no exactly like proper full-size <laughs> keyboard i don't even like laptops i'm, I'm so old-fashioned i have a desktop computer <laughs> Hey, at least you don't, uh, you know, you don't have like the brick laptop that Martin writes on that it doesn't have internet for. It's just literally, you know, a doc file. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so tell me a little bit about your writing process. Are you, uh, are you a plotter or are you a quote unquote pantser? Do you have to, do you just kind of write by the seat of your pants or do you have to write everything out, outline it all, put it up on a whiteboard, all that stuff? Um, I'm an outliner now, definitely. I used to be a pantser. 
And when I do, I would do short stories for Warhammer as well. I mean, when I'm I'm writing them because I'm only going about ten thousand words or so usually. Mm-hmm. Those I tend to largely pants off the back of the pitch I've written for them. But I mean, you're writing a big complicated series, especially with something like Praise to Bones with uh, all the political elements in it. It's you, I think I'd get hopelessly lost if I tried to make it up as I went along. Yeah. So no, I, I have uh, each book gets about a fifteen page outline usually. I gotcha. So I'm I'm pretty thorough with it. Yeah, yeah. So do you do you typically bring characters to life first, or do you do you have to have a plot gel before you begin really bringing the characters into life? I I tend to start with a character and then build the plot for that character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, still, sometimes characters do strange things all by themselves, you know. And I just sort of like, oh yeah, that, that's cool. You would actually do that, right? Okay, and you just adjust the ongoing the ongoing outline to accommodate it. But I'll never change the end. I always know the end of each of my books before I start writing it. And it's, I know where I'm going. How I get there might vary along the way, but I know where I'm going in the end. <laughs> I gotcha. So, um, so as far as your Burn Man series, um, I was reading a quote from SFX Magazine that asked the question, what connects Chandler, Guy Ritchie, Harry Potter, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and apparently not much until the <laughs> series. <laughs> I remember that one. I'm still not quite sure where they got Harry Potter from, but yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I do remember that. It's not very Harry Potter-ish. I, wouldn't, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't give it to a nine-year-old or something. But, uh, right, exactly. So can you can you tell me a little bit about The Burn Man? So I, I came into your into your writing, obviously, when, when Priest of Lies came out, uh, or Priest of Bones came out, but can you tell us a little bit about The Burn Man and uh, kind of what we could expect from that series? Yeah, if, if you've ever read the comic Hellblazer or um, watched the movie Constantine with Keanu Reeves, it's largely along those lines. It's it's set in London in, well, what was the modern day when I wrote it, which is a while ago now, so it <laughs> looks a little bit old-fashioned in places, admittedly. But it's a, an old-school urban fantasy. It's, it's not a paranormal romance, which a lot of people think urban fantasy is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very unromantic book, actually. And it's <laughs> it's about a hitman who summons demons rather than shooting people. He summons demons and sets them on people. Mr. Drake, Don Drake himself, is a is a fairly unpleasant guy, to be honest. He's supposed to be. He's, he's your kind of noir detective, Humphrey Bogart type of character, but dialed up to 11 mm-hmm. with demons. I gotcha. Um and you wrote the obviously a couple of years ago. I mean, was that was that your first, I guess, finished dra- uh, draft? Is that you know when you wrote the first Burnman uh, book, or did you had you had some other things that you had finished and you weren't quite ready to, to send oh, out? I I'd written a complete trilogy before that, which will never ever see the light of day. But I think I don't think that many authors do publish the first thing they finish. To be honest, yeah, not not you. Most people have what I call their apprenticeship books tucked away in the bottom of a trunk somewhere. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you learn to do a thing by doing the thing. You know, you learn to ride a bike by riding a bike, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you learn to write books by writing books. I, some people hit gold on the first time, but I don't think many of us are that fortunate, to be honest. I mean, with as many... So, yeah, there, there was a unpublished and, to be perfectly honest, unpublishable series of books written before The Burn Man. <laughs> Yeah, but I say it's pretty few and far between that you write your first book and it's like, you know, New York bestseller list and, 
you know, you, you start getting all these big contracts and all these publishers clamoring for you. It's, it's really like, okay, let's get your first book out there. See, see what it looks like and then go from there. Yeah. That's, that's the more common experience. I mean, it does happen with some people, but it's, it's rare. It right. really is. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those people, I guess, probably write for publications before they're, they're usually published, you know, as far as their first book goes, they usually, you know, will write for magazines or websites or something like that. So they'll have some kind of experience. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, can you tell me a little bit about your your unpublished <laughs> series that you will never see the light of day? Oh, it it was um, it was an urban fantasy series, but a very very magic heavy, very strange one. It's uh, it's kind of Tanith Lee fanfic with the serial numbers falling off. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> because I I taught myself to write by copying the style of whatever I was reading at the time which is probably not a very good way to do it. I wrote a lot of things that read like Stephen King on a bad day, and I was reading a lot of Tanith Lee at the time I wrote this thing, and it really does show, to be honest. But I was, oh, I was in my mid-20s, I think, when I wrote that. I've learned better these days. not something I'd recommend doing. No, <laughs> okay. it, has, it has come in handy in a weird way for doing the tie-in fiction stuff, for getting the feel of not necessarily the voice of the individual authors, but... The, the storytelling style of a franchise. I, I did pick that up really quick, having come into it, never having played Warhammer before in my life. And they're like, uh, do you want to write a story for us? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going to need some background material. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we thought they were really good, but they gave me reams of stuff to read. It's, it's incredibly detailed. It really is. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. It's great fun to do as well. I can imagine. Yeah, they uh, they had some kind of like humble bundle sale a couple of months ago where they had released like a ton of their audiobook. Uh, I guess. Oh, okay. Books. I think it was like it was like forty or forty five like different. I I, I guess I wouldn't say books because the audiobooks themselves are usually between like forty five minutes to I don't know two hours three hours, but it was just a bunch of their stories that they just like pushed out in this giant bundle, and so I've got like a ton of them and. There's just so much fiction in that universe. It's insane. Oh, there is. I've never realized, uh, you know, just how big it was. It's absolutely massive. There, there are shorter audios tend to be full cast dramatizations actually, rather than just somebody reading a story. It's acted, and you get music and sound effects, and they're quite impressive. They really are. Yeah, and and you know, coming from somebody that you know, me, my personally, you know, I don't know a whole lot about you know, Warhammer, I just know that it was, you know, there were video games and so forth back when uh, I guess I started playing more of the real-time strategy stuff like Warcraft and so forth mm -hmm. uh, when it came out. And then uh, just to realize that there's books and there's anthologies and all that. I mean, there's still, you know, Black Library is still pushing anthologies out even this year. I've seen a couple of authors kind of in our in our social uh, societies that uh, that have written some short stories in their anthologies. I think uh, Sean Grigsby wrote one, and uh, I think Michael Fletcher wrote one, and I, yeah, I saw that you did. And... He's done one recently. Um, Anna Stevens has started writing for them. Um, I think Scott Oden's got something coming out with them as well. They've, they've really been acquiring established fantasy authors recently, yes, which is cool to see. Especially in the, in the grimdark realm, right? <laughs> Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, Warhammer is where the word Grimdark originated. Exactly. From it's kind of, kind of gone full circle. <laughs> um, 
All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, War for the Rose Throne. So we've got Priest of Bones that came out uh, a little while back, and then Priest of Lies, which is the more recent one uh, that came out. And it's kind of uh, Godfather meets Lowtown uh, by Polanski. So tell, tell us, the audience who hasn't maybe started those books yet, a, a little bit about them. Yeah, so they're, um, as you say, they're, they're gangster fantasy novels. They're set, rather than being medieval, they're set in a kind of Tudor, early Renaissance sort of setting. We're in a Henry VIII to almost some kind of time, which is a little bit different. So you've got cannon, gunpowder, all this stuff going on, but we, we haven't got handguns or muskets. So I thought that might be a little bit of a stretch too far into black powder kind of fantasy, or flintlock fantasy, I think they call it. But yeah, it's, it's about a group, or Priest of Bones is about a group of soldiers who return from a horrendous war. It's like coming back from World War One, and they're shell-shocked and battle-damaged and wounded and all the rest of it. And they won the war, but only just. You know, the, the country's in bits, it's bankrupted, there's plague, all the usual cheerful, grimdark things. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, our lead character, first-person narrator Thomas Byatty, who is a priest, was he was made a priest in the army during the war. He was actually a gangster before he went to war. And he's coming back and he's putting the firm back together. So he recruits a load of these old soldiers, takes them back to his old city and starts reclaiming his business empire. Only there is a organization in the world called the Queen's Men who work for the, the ruling monarch of Thomas's country, who are kind of a cross between the CIA and the Gestapo. In a, in a fantasy setting, and they recruit Thomas against his will, it must be said, to do their political dirty work for him. So he gets dragged into this web of politics and intrigue that starts coming out a lot more in book two. So book one is very much a gangster family saga. Book two, and especially going into book three, it becomes almost as much a political drama. So that's that's where we're up to so far, without spoiling too much of book three. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and book one, it was definitely kind of a, a breath of fresh air, especially in fantasy, because, you know, it's not all sword and sorcery and magic and so forth that I feel, you know, a lot of fantasy kind of is, um, you know, granted, I, f- I feel like I f- not being in the fantasy genre for, for a while, I've only really been in it the last five or seven years, um, you know, I feel like there's a, a ton of books being published in that genre, um, and not quite as much of the low fantasy, you know, I guess Abercrombie would kind of be looked at as low fantasy with his, um, his first law series and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of others here and there, but this one I feel like is like a true low town, you know, there's just, everything is grim about it. There's there's not a whole lot of, (laughs) not a whole lot of light shining down. Let's just put it that way. No, no, my, my wife read an early draft of it, and I remember finishing it and just looking up at me and saying, will you ever write a happy book? <laughs> like, probably, probably not. No. But no, it's interesting you mentioned Lowtown. A lot of people have compared it to that. And no, no disrespect to Dan, who I've, I've met, and he's a really nice guy, but I had no idea it existed when I wrote Priest of Bones. So any similarities are pure coincidence. <laughs> I still haven't read it, to be honest. I must, I must get and do that. I've heard it's good. Yeah, don't, don't um, rain on yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> As you say, that there's very little magic in it, and what magic there is is mysterious. I'm I'm not a magic systems lover at all. I must admit, I like the sort of mysterious Gandalf type of magic, which is very much what I've gone for in Priest of Bones, where there is any at all. It's I, I wasn't sure how well it was going to be received. I must admit, 
with as little magic in it as there is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I think people seem to have dug it, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, there is that subtle that subtleness of magic in the first book that kind of gets a little more fleshed out in book two. But it, it, it is nice kind of having that unknown in there because uh, you kind of want to build the intrigue to lead into to reading more of the series and not just, you know, being one and done. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I assume you're still working on book three. Are you, I guess, any close to finishing it? Have you finished it and now you're just doing revisions or how's that process uh, going? I'm probably about two thirds of the way through writing it. Um, I don't have to turn it in until June. So I've got, I've definitely got plenty of time. Um, I'm expecting it to be out spring 21, somewhere late spring, early summer, maybe 21, but I don't have a firm date on that yet from the publishers. But um, yeah, like I say, it's, it's coming along well. Good, good, yeah. Or I know uh, a lot of people are definitely looking forward to it. I, I being one of them. So, uh, um, but uh, so tell me, are you working on anything else besides it, or is that really just your main focus? Do you have anything kind of waiting in the wings once you do finish book three? That is, uh, I've got to be really careful what I say here. Um, <laughs> War for the Rose Throne is absolutely my main focus. I know exactly what I'm doing after book three, but I don't think I can tell you that just yet. <laughs> book, book three is going to be called Priest of Gallows, by the way. Hey, nice. Keep right. giving up the general cheerful tone of the series. <laughs> so, so is it going to be truly just a trilogy, or are you planning on more books in the series? Or you uh, no, that's the thing I can't tell you. Ah, okay. Can you at least tell me if you're going to be doing some short stories in it? I am. Um, okay. I've already done one, actually. There's one called Hunger and the Lady that was in Grimdark Magazine issue. I should know this and don't. 18, I think. I can't remember. The one with the Andy Remick story on the cover. And I'm doing another one at the moment as well. So the, the one that's out is a Billy the Boy origin story. I'm going to be doing a what bloody Anne was doing while Thomas was in Dansburg story as well. So that's on my agenda to do for the rest of this month. Fantastic. So um, obviously we talked a little bit at the beginning about how uh, you're starting to blurb a lot more uh, authors and books here lately. Um, So obviously you still an avid reader, even while writing your own books. So have you read anything lately or any authors that you'd recommend to the audience that maybe uh, don't get as much recognition as they deserve? Sure. So like I say, um, I can't mention the um, proof I've just finished, but I'm also reading uh, Devin Madsen's We Ride the Storm at the moment. I've got an arc of that from Orbit. Um, I know that was previously self-published and really popular, and she got picked up by Orbit recently. So they sent me a proof of that with a view to blurbing it. So I need to finish that. Um, what have I read? I've read some really cool stuff recently. I, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm still reading a lot. I think, I think to be a writer, you have to read. You can't not, especially, especially in your genre, you need to be reasonably current. I think, but I honestly, I get sent so many books. It's fantastic. I get arcs for left, right, and centre. And I must admit, I can't get through them all. There aren't enough hours in the day with having a job and writing as well. But uh, I recently read, it's just come out, actually, a book called The Last Smile in Sunder City by Luke Arnold, who uh, who's an actor. He was in a series called Black Sails. Yeah. Which you might have heard of. And he's really, really good. I was hugely impressed with that. And that's, I think that's out from Orbit as well. That's just launched. And I read 
Um, I read an early proof of High Fire by Owen Colfer, who wrote the Artemis Fowl books. So this is uh, this is Colfer's first ever adult fantasy novel, and that was absolutely tremendous. That's out very soon if it isn't already. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, th- I think is that out already? I think. Uh, I think it might be. It either it might just be, released yeah. or it's super close to release. Uh, yeah, yeah. It came out on January twenty eighth. So yeah. Okay. Okay. That is great fun. It really is. Very unusual, but really, really cool. I gotcha. Yeah, I actually. Uh, I think the. Uh, Last Mile in Center City is probably going to be my next book I go through. I'm actually working on uh, Justin Call's Master of Sorrows right now, um, which I actually have him come up on a podcast on Tuesday. And then um, I haven't gotten the arc of Devin's book yet, but I do have like the original self-pub version of We Ride the Storm. So yeah, there's just, there's so many great books coming out and I feel like, I feel like Orbit, and Ace are kind of leading that charge as far as fantasy goes. Um, and yeah, like, you know, cause the two books you mentioned were both orbit books. So Yeah. They were a lot of people I know with orbit. I mean, they, they do seem to be putting a hell of a lot of stuff out at the moment, which is absolutely great. You know, but it, it, I'm glad there is new stuff coming out. That's grabbing me. Cause so many of my favorite series is all finished last year, which is a great shame. I mean, Ed McDonald's Raven's Mark finished, um, Anna Smith Sparks' Phenomenal Empires of Dust is finished. Anna Stevens' Red Gods series finished last year. And I was sort of thinking, man, now what am I going to read? And then all <laughs> this great new stuff starts coming through the letterbox. I mean, ah, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All is not lost. <laughs> yeah, and I know, um, you know, Orbit, I think they even, they have even more authors this year and they're like debut voices. Um, I know there's one, I can't remember the author's name, but her first book is called The Bone Shard Daughter that comes out later this year. Um, and then, you know, you've got, like I said, the last mile in center city and you've got a, a legacy of Ash by Matthew Ward, which is already out in the UK, but it's kind of hitting the U S I think in March, um, or April, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just incredible at how they can finish a series and then just bring you something brand new <laughs> that's just as good. Um, uh, but yeah, empires of dust was absolutely phenomenal. I loved that trilogy. Oh yeah. That was so, so good. It's just it's not like anything else, you know. If somebody says, oh, what's it like? Or what does it compare to? I'm like, um, Homer on heroin? I don't know. It just <laughs> it doesn't, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it's and it's like, you know, we talk about how dark and low-town feel that your books are. But, like, I don't think I've read anything as dark as Empires of Dust. But it's, it's just so good. And her writing style, like, just the prose is – Unlike anything I've read before. I I have seen her read live, and I don't think read doesn't cover it. I've seen Anna perform live, (laughs) and it is phenomenal. It really is. She's so, so good. Another thing I read recently, I forgot when you were asking, Uh a guy called Brian Nasland wrote a book called Blood of an Exile, and that was really, really good. I've got an early copy of that as well. Highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, and I – I actually, I think I read that one maybe summer of last year, and I'm going to have him on the podcast in a couple of months before book two comes out. But yeah, that was a really good one. I, I'm still really upset uh, about that goat, but um, you know, we'll. Oh I'll, man, I have to, I have to talk to him about that one. <laughs> I told, I told a little bit on Twitter, but I don't think, I don't think it's justified. So. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it, I'll have to ask Anna to to read a little bit of uh, maybe maybe I'll have her read the beginning of um, yeah. Quarter Broken Knives when she comes on. Uh, just just to see, see if I see a little bit of that mm-hmm. theatrical performance. <laughs> <laughs> if I could recommend anything that's already out to you, um, I don't know if you've read any of uh, Adrian Selby, but Snakewood is really, really good. Um, I haven't. I haven't read it yet. Okay. I've heard it's good. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it. It took me twice getting into it, but once I was, I was hooked. It it kind of throws you right into it at the beginning. Um, there's a lot of action happening in the first twenty five or thirty pages. You kind of are trying to figure out where you're at in it, but it's it's phenomenal. And even uh, the Winter Road, which was I guess more of a prequel to the Snakewood uh, that came out I don't know, two years ago, maybe. Oh, okay. It was, it really was the second one, wasn't yeah. it? Window Road? Yeah. Yeah. And then um, if you haven't read Angus Watson's West of West, it's not quite as grim, but it's more of like a Viking fantasy. It's really, really good. Oh, okay. I don't know that one. So, so yeah, I mean, it's all Orbit, man. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf, and like <laughs> half of my shelves are Orbit books. Um, the the, Naz, the Nasland was tore over here, certainly. I yeah. don't know if it was in the States. Yeah, he but. was uh, – what's he over here in the States? I think he was tore as well. Um, I know I know. sometimes the UK will do tour, and then we'll have Orbit here and, and vice versa. Um, and yeah, then, it's often different. I mean, I'm, I'm Joe Fletcher Books in the UK, uh, which are Hachette, so they're a sister imprint to Orbit UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and another one I'm looking forward to, which will probably be one of my next reads, is uh, Kingdom of Liars by Nick Martell. I don't know if you've gotten a proof of that one yet. It, I, I don't think so. No. Okay. That one's coming out from, from Saga over here, which I guess is gallery books now. Um, so I don't, I don't, and I've seen that I've seen the UK, which is, I think Richard Anderson did the cover, which, you know, he did like the Kings of the wild and bloody. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Tons of oh, covers. He, he did the black Hawks as well. That's yes. really good. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling, I'm struggling to remember the author's name, but it's really cool. Oh, David Rag. <laughs> David Rag, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 a ton that has been out and that's coming out and that's that we're all looking forward to. But that's that's awesome that uh, that you've been able to to read those and that you're. I mean, just get, it, it sounds like you're a, a book a book reviewer at this point. You're sitting there getting all these arcs. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I wouldn't call myself a reviewer at all. But no, I, I just think it's fantastic. I haven't had to buy a book in so long, <laughs> right? <laughs> Real perk of the job, that is brilliant. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely yeah. a cool perk being a blogger too. I mean, you know, there, there's still some books out there that every now and then I'll go out and buy a copy, or I'll get you know maybe I'll buy a signed copy before it comes out. But yeah, I, I'm doing a lot of audio books nowadays just because with you know working full-time and then we're about to start a family in the summer and it's just oh congratulations ah, thanks so much yeah so uh it's like all right so when i get to work pop in the headphones start working listen to a book finish it go to the next one so yeah. i think um i mean granted i've i've added a couple of kids books and i've had a few books i didn't finish so far but i think about like 38 so far this year <laughs> so wow yeah oh. so uh, it's it's, it's been nice because I'm just powering through them and getting to the next thing just because there's just so many books I haven't gotten to yet that everybody keeps recommending to me. So No, this is the problem. There's no way you could read everything. I know. <laughs> okay, all right. If, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't get me in 50 pages, on to the next one because I don't have time. Yeah. Oh, I think you have to. No, I'm the same. I don't read things for the sake of it. It's got to grab me. Right. Because, you know, we were saying there is so much good stuff out there. But not everything is for everyone, you know. Absolutely. So I was like, yeah, if I'm not feeling it, other people might well love it. But 
I'm moving on, you know. Yeah, for sure. So hasn't happened for a while. I think it has been a while since I put something down. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've had, I've had a few that have kind of come across um, my quote unquote desk, and just I couldn't get into them. And you know, I've I've had some people that have had mixed feelings on some of them as well. And I just go, you know, if if I'm not seeing something that's universally loved, then I feel like I can set it aside. You know, if, if I've seen some people that are that are also kind of down on it, I'm like, okay, I don't feel so bad now. But if there's something that like, how can you not enjoy this? I go, okay, I'm missing something. I need to I need to get back to it. You know, yeah, now right. at some point. So, um, so I have to ask you: has, has anybody ever approached you about doing audiobooks? Because you kind of have the same voice that Colin Mace does, and he did the Empires of Dust and uh, the Raven's Mark uh, series and so forth. Because you would have a great voice for audiobooks. Okay. Um, no, they haven't. That's not something I've ever considered, I must admit. As my friend Rosa uh, is an audiobook narrator. She's um, Arby Watkinson on social. And I've heard her read. She's really, really good. Yeah, not something I've ever thought of, to be honest. I think I, I am an hour too, too much to, um, to carry it off for any length of time. But I, I, mean, I enjoy doing readings of my own work you know, now when I do public events on it do the voices and all that sort of thing. So yeah. little got a little bit of the frustrated actor in me, but <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know how I'd be with somebody else's book. I must admit. Yeah. And an I'm, interesting film. And if I, if I remember correctly, I think Colin Mace does your audio books for, uh, for the war for the Rose throne. So, cause I was going to say, like, I, I no, keep he hearing, it's, it's John Lee in the States. That's right. That's right. It's John Lee. That's right. Um, cause I was about to say, I, was like, I keep feeling like I hear Thomas Piety coming out. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was it was really cool because uh, say John reads in the states and the the UK versions are read by a guy called David Hale. Okay, and both of them wanted me to do uh, voice recording samples for them of you know unusual words and strange spellings and all that kind of thing. So they pronounced it the way I wanted it. So interesting if they are subconsciously copying my voice. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, in my head, Thomas Piety sounds like Sean Bean, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Oh man! Well, awesome. Well, uh, Peter, I'm I'm kind of out of questions. I don't know if you've got anything else you'd like to cover uh, before we're done. But obviously, we're looking forward to, to Priest of Gallows, which man, that title just sounds so great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think we're I think we're there. Really, don't. Okay. Well, everybody that's listening in, uh, like I said, the Burn Man trilogy from Angry Robots been out, um, and then obviously books one and two in the War for the Rose Stone are out, Priest of Bones and Priest of Lies. Uh, but you can find Peter on Twitter and Instagram at PMC666, which, wow, what a handle, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you can also find his WordPress website is talonwraith.com. That's T-A-L-O-N-W-R-A-I-T-H.com. Um, but guys, uh, look forward to Priest of Gallows. Hope it will come out in 2021. And anything else from Peter that he is currently working on and won't tell anybody about, uh, we'll look forward to those as well. But Peter, thank you again so much for coming on and chatting with me about your books. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great fun. Absolutely. Have a good one. And you. Goodbye. Thank you guys for checking out my chat with fantasy author Peter McLean. Stay tuned next week when I chat with fantasy author Justin Travis Call about his upcoming release, Master of Sorrows. Also next week, I'll be talking with author Tim Levin about his upcoming release, Eden, which comes out in April. Uh, You may also recognize his name as the author of The Silence, which was recently 
come out as a movie on Netflix, which I still haven't seen, but definitely looking forward to. Um, but guys, again, thank you so much for tuning into these podcast episodes uh, and just stay tuned for more. Thanks. Thanks.